Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 43 of Live and Let Die Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to go see Sentai Die Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Matt, I am well. Wiped out. Pretty tired. But doing fine. But ready. <laughs> ready to, to watch some Die Ranger. And really, how can you not be ready to watch some Die Ranger? <laughs> right. What else do you want to do with your Sunday evening? I can't think of anything else, Matt, that I would rather do more than watch Go Say Sentai Die Ranger. Oh, uh, well then, Dave, I've got some great news for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. so today... As it happens. Today we're watching episode 43. It is called The Ultra White Prohibited Past, which... Given, like, recent political dialogue, honestly sounds like an article about the Confederate flag. But uh, it's not. I'm assuming it's because, like, Go is the White Ranger or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's a weird Oddly title. topical. Okay, so, before we get into that, Dave, Shining wow, in the Heavens. Episode 43 already. Yeah, so I know. seven episodes left. Seven episodes left. Dang, man. Uh, Closing in. Closing in, guys. That's cool. We got Jetman on deck for y'all. It's going to be great. So, Dave, Shining in the Heavens, there are five stars. And the first star of the week is, uh, like, big Die Ranger news. Like, sound the alarms. I've I've been gone all weekend, so. Oh, Dave. Uh, They are putting out, Shout Factory is officially releasing Die Ranger on DVD. No! That's awesome. Oh, I am so excited about this. I got home the other night and I popped open my phone to look at Twitter and I got a message from one of our Twitter followers. Um, I'm going to butcher her name. Jen Nguyen? Hey, Jen. Sorry that I mispronounced your name. Uh, hey. But it was like pointing to a uh, Comic-Con release or maybe it's Power Morphicon this week. I honestly have no idea. It was at um. a convention. And uh, Shout Factory announced that the next set that they're going to do is Die Ranger. Oh, that's fantastic. So I know, like, Zoo Ranger came out last year sometime in, like, the late winter, early spring. Or this okay. year, rather. Um, so I guess that's probably what's going to happen with Die Ranger. I am, like, so excited about this. Yeah. The other ones, because Zoo Ranger came out, and it had, like, some commentary and, like, a lot of extra stuff, right? No, it didn't. It was, it was honestly just the episodes. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't think that they could have gotten together, like, you know, all the people to do all the yeah, commentary. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I am not generally, like, a DVD special features, like, oh, super director's cut style guy. Like, I'm very just happy to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. But I feel like with Die Ranger, I would be really interested in talking to. I realize I would be really interested in talking to people related to the production of the show, but nobody that they would actually get. Like, I don't actually care about, say, the actor who plays Ryu. I don't want to know what his opinion is. I want to hear, like, the prop guy's commentary on every episode. <laughs> hear what his excuses were. Right. Although like, I told you earlier, you, there was uh, there was that couple part interview with um, uh, Shoji. 
or whose right. name is yeah, that? Yeah, I haven't uh, gotten around to watching that yet. I Harada, I Hanada, or something like that. Um, anyway, mm. you should watch it after we're done because, like, he does talk about some spoilery stuff. Uh, but that was really interesting. But yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, not only because that way I can actually have like an official version of it that I can just watch on my TV instead of having to do it on my computer. Mm-hmm. But it also seems like a great opportunity to get people on board with the Super Sentai Brothers. Like, hey, yeah, definitely. Like, hey, listeners, do you have friends who are buying the DVDs who do not already listen to the show? Uh, they want like maybe. a weird uh, like duo of Sherpas to get them through it. <laughs> Dude, you should start tweeting at Shout Factory. I assume they have a Twitter. I oh, they know. do. I, 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 I doubt that there's really much chance of us becoming the official uh, partner of the <laughs> DVD release. But uh, <laughs> Who else, though, Matt? Who else? We are the Internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Ghosts and Titanium. We've said it 43 times now. It has to be true. It's got to be true. Anyway, so honestly, no, we don't have much other news about it. Um, they just, just announced happening. it. So, but yeah, Die Ranger DVDs coming at you. Um, so, uh, Dave, what is our second star? So, our second star of the week, Matt, is actually why, as I mentioned, I've been out of town all weekend. I just got back from a killer LARP event. Oh, tell me all about it. Well, okay, I'm not going to tell you all about it because I feel like the details are sort of boring if you don't play LARP. That's you know fair. what I'm saying? Yeah. In the same way that like a play-by-play of a sporting event that you don't follow would be kind of incomprehensible. But suffice to say, it was just a, it was a killer event, man. The people who the folks who run the game, the plot team just did an outstanding job. Everything was really fun. Uh, the characters were cool, the people that were playing the game were cool. The the stories that they were telling were really neat. And, and we finally finished a long-running plot line of which I was a part that I really dug. I actually will take a second to tell you about it. Hey, man, go okay. for it. I think I've mentioned... Listen, this is our show. Like, we can just talk about stuff. <laughs> so I've told you in the past, Matt, and, uh, you know, listeners, if you're just joining us, LARP stands for Live Action Role Playing, and it's like Dungeons & Dragons or any other role-playing game with the exception that Instead of sitting around at your friend's house with some pizza and, you know, Cokes or beers, depending on your preference, you go out into the woods with 50, 60, 70 other people, and everything is happening in real time. You play one character for the whole weekend, and some people are playing the game, and they are player characters, and other people are running the game, and they're playing the ogres and, you know, kindly wizards or whatever that is sort of the supporting members of the plot. Okay, they are the NPCs, the non-player characters. So, here's the deal. One of the plot lines that has been running, and it's been running for like a year and a half, okay? I want you to appreciate how long that is. That there has been this like evil NPC, this evil villain, and the story with this dude is that he is able to kind of, I don't know, maybe not possess, but like ride shotgun sort of, on on other on other people. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So a year and a half ago, the people who ran the game came to me and the okay, so the idea of this character, sorry, is that he influences people that are like powers behind the throne. Okay. Okay. 
So he doesn't go for like the king. He goes for the king's like chancellor or something. And as it happens, my character that I play in our LARP game is a character who's sort of like that. I'm a member of the noble structure and I have the ear of the rulers of our town. Gotcha. Okay. So a year and a half ago, the people who run the game, the plot team, came to me and they said, hey, Dave, would you be willing to kind of turn your character over to us in, in a way and volunteer to have your character, in an out-of-game way, you know, they're asking me as part of the story, sure, sure. to have your character be kind of taken over by this guy. And I, of course, said, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, let's do that. So for like the last year and a half, I've been playing LARP, but I have also been playing like a second secret LARP that only I was playing, <laughs> where I was secretly trying to undermine, as, re- as it relates to particular things, secretly trying to undermine all my friends and my wife, as it happens, and kind of surreptitiously work against them to accomplish the goals of this second character that I was kind of halfway playing while I was playing my regular character. And I don't think it's too strong to say that I killed it. Dude, that's awesome. killed it. It was fantastic. Nobody saw it coming, with actually the exception of my wife. She was like, guys, no, seriously... I don't think you understand how kind of devious and sneaky Dave can be if he (laughs) needs to be and maybe quite how good of an actor he is. You need to take this for real. And it was like, nah, look at that smiling face. How could he lie to us? And she was like, guys, you don't. Not that I like lie to my wife. Sure. (laughs) She's like, no, guys, you don't understand. We need to deal with this. And no one took her seriously, and they should have. But I had a ton of fun. The event was great. Thank you to everybody that runs it, because I know a couple of them do listen to the podcast. So you guys nailed it. Had a great time. Right on, dude. Sounds rad. Yeah. Again, bro, you got to come out. You have got to come to a game. There's like one more this season. Come out. Hang. You know like a billion DP. Not okay. Not a billion DP people. But come have fun with your friends. It's going to be great. Okay, well, uh, we will talk about that later. (laughs) So, Matt, what is our third star of the week? Third star of the week, Dave, is that this week I got new windows in my kitchen, which does not sound super exciting. Um, No, no, okay. That doesn't sound super exciting, except to people who pay their own utility bills. (laughs) Right, in which (laughs) case it's awesome. awesome. Uh, Although, actually, my kitchen windows were not that bad. Like, they were, like, old single panes, but they weren't, like, in bad repair. But apparently yeah. some of the other units in the building, it's, like, one of those... There, there are four other... You live in, like, a multi-unit small apartment thing. Yeah, it's got four apartments, two up, two down, porches in the front, that sort of deal. Right. Anyway, some of the other guys were having real troubles with their windows, and so they were getting replaced, and so the landlord said, you know, we're just going to do it all at once. Now... That makes sense. Here's the problem, is that the workman that he got to do it was coming on, like, um... Tuesday afternoon to do it. And he needed to be able to get into the apartment. Right. Yeah, it's a terrible place. I forgot that he was coming on a Tuesday afternoon, so I did not leave a key under the mat for him. And I take the bus to work. And so I get this call Tuesday morning from my landlord. Like, hey, the guy is there. 
Um, and he can't get in, so can you just pop home? And, like, since I take the bus to work, there is no popping home. Like, <laughs> I can get to work pretty easily in the morning, but it's like an hour round trip if I just need to, like, do it in the middle of the day at the drop of a hat. Oh, dang. I didn't... Oh, because there's just more buses running in the morning? Yeah, you know, I gotta wait 20 minutes for the bus, and then the bus takes about 20 minutes to get there, and then I need to do, you know, drop off the key and do all that, and then do the same thing, you know, turning back around. Not a huge deal, but a pain. So I realized, okay, I've got to do this. Like, there's no other option. I've just got to go home. So I do yeah, that. Yeah, what else are you going to do? I drop off the key. I come back the next, or I come back that night. The new windows are in. But there's like, there's a little bit of a problem, right? Because, like, he'd taken out the window frame, like, the sort of, like, the wooden frame around it. And when uh, he put the yeah. new windows in, like, the frame wasn't put back together correctly. Like, there's a bunch of cracks in it. Like, it needed to be caulked up and repainted. And I was like, so I called my landlord. I'm like, hey, the new windows look great, but there's this problem. I don't yeah. hear back from him, right? And so the next okay. day, I'm at work around the same time, and I get a call from my landlord again. And he says, oh, the guy's back. <laughs> like, saying, he's here to finish the job. Where this is going. And so, like, yeah, he meant to leave you a note. Sorry we didn't get back in touch with you yesterday. Like, can you just pop home and give him the key again? Like, bro, <laughs> my gosh. It's anyway, it's like, so I don't think you understand what you're asking. Anyway, so I mean, I, I did it, but so now I've got these gorgeous new windows, nice. and that's nice. Did you get like I assumed the kind of like double pane thermal glass, whatever, whatever? Oh yeah, of course. Those are the only double pane thermal glass, whatever is that I have in my apartment. The rest of them are all just still old windows. But hey, you know, one's better than nothing. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Listen, we we replaced the upstairs windows on our house with super windows. I guess I don't really know quite how to say it but it cut down on our utility bills by like a really significant degree okay well actually dave speaking of your house what is our fourth star of the week oh yeah so i may have told you matt that like a year and eh, like coming up on maybe around a year ago the library which is right next to my house i live like two doors down from the library right right so the library calls me out of the blue and they say, hey, we'd like to buy your house, which is kind of a weird thing to experience, right? Kind of just out of nowhere. Right. But I say, well, uh, you know, okay, sure, well, let's talk. Like, I'm not, I don't want to sell my house, but I'll chat about it. So we go meet with the library, and they say, we will offer you 20% more than you paid for your house, which seems like a great deal. Except, we live in Cleveland, and I don't think I've ever mentioned this before, but when I bought my house, I got it for a song, okay? Right. Like, the people that were selling it, they had, like, divorced, and, like, neither one of them lived in Cleveland, and, like, they just wanted to be out of the whole thing. So I got my house for, I'll just say, I got it for $73,000, which is not no, you know, that's a lot of dollars. But it's, but not, a lo- it's not a lot of house dollars. It's not a lot of house dollars. So they're like, well, we'll give you $90,000 for it. And I was like, well, I just built a new garage and put in all new windows in my upstairs. So I've already spent $20,000 on that house. So your offer of $90,000 is a non-starter. Right. That is a garbage offer. Right. Like, I'm into it for $90,000. And, you know, the valuation on the house is like $113,000. So, so no. And they say, well, okay, maybe not. And so I don't hear from them for like two weeks or something. I write them back and I say, listen, 
I don't want to sell my house, but you clearly want to buy it. And I put together like, I did like a very, and I'm an English teacher, man. Like I'm not a business guy, but I put together what I felt was maybe like a very businessy style <laughs> no spreadsheet. Right, and you came like, back to them with what you thought was a much more reasonable amount. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I was shooting high just because, why not, right? Sure. So I sent them this offer, and they, <laughs> they just emailed me back. They're like, well, no, and maybe you would like to offer a little bit less money. And I was like, maybe you would like to counter offer, but you clearly don't understand how this works. So, so goodbye. And then I never heard from them, right? And this was about a year ago. This is like a year ago. And I'm like, well, I just want to sell my house. Like, I like my house. I don't want to sell it. Fine. So they email me a couple of days ago, and they're basically like, hey, it turns out we really super duper want to buy your house, and we will buy it for, like, basically a reasonable counter offer to what you suggested as a selling price. So but, but, <laughs> it is currently July the 12th, and they said, we'd really like to, if at all possible, close by August the 1st, and you would need to be out by November the 1st. But their offer is really good, actually. Okay. So now, I am... <laughs> now you're actually, <laughs> like, looking in... down the barrel of selling your house. Yeah. Perhaps. In like, in, yeah, in, like, two weeks. So, thankfully, I'm on summer vacation, so I can spend the next week rolling around with a realtor and checking out houses. But long story short, man, uh, I might be selling my house. I will give you a call if I need your help moving. There will be pizza and beer. Okay. As is customary. Well, that that is the deal. right? That is crazy stuff. Uh, Please keep me up to date. Yeah, totally. I mean, you'll have to if you want me to help you move. (laughs) So, Matt, my potentially imminent house sale is our fourth star. What is our fifth star of the week? Oh, Dave. Dave, I'm in trouble today. Oh, no. So, I went out to get... Wait, like, you're not not actual. This is not like black star, black hole trouble. This is joke trouble. Oh, (laughs) okay. Sorry. Good to hear. I uh, did not mean to uh, worry no, so you just really I assumed that it was from our notes, and then you really sold me on it for a second there. <laughs> okay. Okay, so you're in joke trouble. What's up? So, today I went to go out and get a haircut, and next to the place like where you? I get my haircut is a GameStop. Sure. And so I went to GameStop just, you know, because I was there, and I was walking okay. around. Sounds and okay so far. for $12, I saw a game that Wait. I... That I promised myself I wouldn't buy. And in you bought fact, Skyrim, didn't you? In fact, when I went to buy my Xbox last year, the person who sold it to me said, like, oh, like, here is a game you could buy with. And I said, no, please do not let me buy that game. And now I have bought Skyrim again. <laughs> Called it. And now I'm back in it. I'm just back in Skyrim. And that's just it's been so my day. Good, though. Like, I knew you were coming back, that we were going to do this around 7. I was like, well, I've got about six hours. So it's Skyrim time. And that's mm-hmm. and that's just it. That is that is my trouble. That is my fifth star. These are my woes. I am back in Skyrim. Dude, those six hours evaporated, didn't they? Dan, I'm a wizard with a mohawk. What else do you want me to do? Nothing. Nothing. Actually, there is something I want you to do. Is go and buy the DLC for that game. I probably it's will. It's like 
You did already? No, no, but I probably will. I, I played oh, the, should, I played most of the vampire one. Okay, that one's good. There's two more. There's one with like a whole new island, which is pretty neat. I'm interested in this. Yeah. Listen, that DLC man is going to tell you that you can ride a dragon, okay? And okay. that is technically true. However, the like the uh, circling pattern, you know, in Skyrim when the dragon is just kind of flying around in a circle, right? Yeah. You can get on the dragon, but the dragon does not change that pattern. So you can't just like ride the dragon across Skyrim. Okay, so you can't ride a dragon like you ride a horse. You can just get up on there. You can get up on the dragon. It's enormously disappointing. So just be aware of that. Well, I will brace myself for that. But for now, I am collecting lavender and, like, you know, blue butterfly wings. Right. Oh, dude. You also get hearthfire. It's, you build a house. You build a house. It's kind of, okay, you know in Fallout 4, they've told us that you get to build a house, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, hearthfire is effectively the beta for that system in Skyrim, because, like, Skyrim and Fallout kind of bounce back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but you can get that in Skyrim, and you get to build a house, and, like, you design it, and you can choose, like, customization features. It's great. Anyway, but Skyrim is, like, three or four years old, so we don't need to spend a lot of time talking about it today. <laughs> but that has basically been my day. So, we are going to take a break. We're going to watch the ultra-white prohibited past. Oh, again. And we will be right back. <laughs> Okay, welcome back. So, we have just finished watching episode 43. Dave, what just happened? Okay, so I think the easiest way to say it is the plot with Doshikaku thickens. We still don't know what's up, really. The time grows short until Ko's 10th birthday. We get a little bit more about Akamaru as well. And then yet again, as is, I think, kind of the case with all the co-episodes, we end on like a pretty intense cliffhanger. So the episode opens up, as like basically every other episode does, with the last week in Gosei Sentai Dairanger, blah, 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 blah. But then Dairanger does this thing, and I've mentioned it before, but it continues to drive me a tiny bit nuts, because like no other show does it. They just say, last week in the episode, and then they start... And then they just keep going. Like, there's no cut that says, okay, the flashback is over and now things are starting. They just go directly into the episode. Yeah, you know, I've noticed that, I mean, we've talked about it in the past, and it's something that I don't think would bother me if I wasn't trying to take notes on the episode as we were watching it. Because okay, I'm never a- <laughs> sure where to start writing things <laughs> that's down. That's a really good point. My notes actually just say, oh, wait, things are happening. So I clearly had enough time to take a note about the fact that I didn't have time to take notes, so it wasn't that bad. But it's kind of a weird thing, because no other show I've ever seen does that. From a show perspective, I think it might actually work. Maybe it just does drive me nuts because i got to take notes on it. Okay, so if you don't recall from last week, Daijin Ryu, the Great King of Terror, is back on Earth. Because... The ceasefire between the Dai Rangers and the Goma has been kind of thrown out the window by the Goma. Daijin Ryu senses this conflict, and as in his place as cosmic defender of, I don't know, Matt, what? I don't know, not exactly peace, but non-conflict, yeah. <laughs> right. He is back on Earth. 
and ready to wreck shop. So he's just sort of standing around. He hasn't really taken much action yet, um, except for crushing whatever it was that he landed on. I don't know how many people died there, but we only see his upper part. We don't actually see like the people <laughs> screaming under his feet, it which is like probably for the building, best. So probably a whole bunch of people. Okay, so he is just sort of standing around. Uh, Ruseo and um, Akamaru's like pet monster Thunder are still mm-hmm. fighting. They're giant. The yep. rest of the Die Rangers are fighting with the Goma Commanders, and the, the fight is Commanders. Yeah, it's not going well. Kotopotoro, like you know, it's actually I thought it was a really good fight scene. It was oh, like it was a very cool around. fight scene. There's lots of Kiryoku and Yoriyoku flying around. People are pulling out different weapons and Kiryoku powers. It was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. They are displaying all of the available toys that you could go buy for your children. <laughs> um, and it's a lot of fun, but the Dyrangers are not doing well. Like, they are getting whooped pretty badly. Yeah. And it's sort of going this way until the fight sort of suddenly stops when Ko's mother just sort of shouts it shot on pretty quickly. Yeah. I really did not. I assumed that when, because she starts yelling and she's like, please stop fighting. She's kind of freaking out. And I really expected someone to just say kind of, you know, be quiet or shut up or something. And then the fight would continue. But they don't. Yeah, no, shot actually, everybody kind of turns around and looks at Ko's mom, who, again, does not have a name. So it doesn't matter who it is. They all just refer to her as mother, okay. which continues to be weird. So I, I did miss one little bit. Before this happens, um, Ryu, who's up sort of piloting Ryuseo, has uh, Byakuya with him, uh, the oh, Kiba Ranger's yeah. sword. And uh, when... Uh, he sees when I'm sorry when Biako sees Shadam like attacking Ko's mom or threatening her at least. I think um, he just threatens her. He like flies out of Ryu's control and like just flies straight towards Shadam and hits him once. Right. Right. So this is kind of as Ko's mom is freaking out and asking everybody to stop fighting. Shadam turns around and just says basically, "Stuff it! You're interfering with Ko being a Goma." And it looks like Shadam just goes to kill her. And I think that's when Biako jumps in the way and, like, throws a shot off, I guess. Yeah, but, like, he's just a sword. So he can, like, fling himself, but then he was stuck in the ground. So Shadam just picks him up. And when all the Goma commanders leave at the end of the fight, they leave with Biako. Yes. They this have effectively kidnapped him. Yeah. So, I mean, the fight continues. Sword snapped him? Rin I don't shoots know. a tornado at Shadam and Ryuseo attacks thunder and he does his like cherry blossom spinny staff attack but at the end of it all the goma commanders just teleport out so after the goma commanders have teleported away the rangers are also untensioned and they just run over and mom says thanks guys hooray we're safe but oh no they have co and so everybody's sort of appropriately freaking out Okay, now as this ends, we cut to like a bunch of people, just sort of civilians, who are now like running around and they have noticed Daijin Ryu, right? Okay, wait, Matt, let me hop in just for a second. Right before this thing that Matt is about to tell you happens, we're about, I think it was like five minutes into the episode, Matt. Uh huh. And only then do we actually get the opening title cut. 
Like the episode has been going for it's like five and a half minutes. And then, then finally there's a break in the action and they say, here's the title. Hey, man. And then we see this. There's stuff. a lot of episode in this episode. Yeah, man. You ain't kidding. Okay. So all these people are like running to their windows and running up to their rooftops to look at Daijin Ryu. Okay. Right. Now, that's not surprising. If you had like surprising. a giant like space Godzilla robot standing mm-hmm. like looming over your city taller yeah. than any building you would I, also look at it i'd wager i know i would now here's the bit that is surprising <laughs> is that all of these people are saying what is that right because if you will recall it was not that long ago that this same exact thing was like destroying the planet <laughs> city by city right. and blew like up ago. like half of this city like it is as though, like, okay, remember the Avengers? Like, you know, the end yeah. of the Avengers, the Chitauri come, and they're attacking New York City, and there's explosions and aliens and superheroes and everything, right? <laughs> right. It's as yeah, though like half that the city happened. gets destroyed. And then, like, the next week, the Skrulls invade, and everyone's like, wait, aliens? What are these things? <laughs> right. I have no idea. Okay. So... <laughs> Okay, so, anyway, I just thought that bared mentioning. We see Kaku, Doshikaku, and he is up on a building, and he's kind of staring at slash musing about Daijin Ryu, and he's like, what's, what, what are you here for? So it cuts up to Daijin Ryu, and we see red lightning kind of shoot. I don't actually know what it's shooting out of. Maybe it's just kind of coming in and around Daijin Ryu. And he starts to move, like his arms come up, and then there's some lightning around his neck slash head. And I really thought, I was super disappointed, Matt, I really thought that Daijin Ryu was about to transform in the same way that Ryuseo does. Oh, that would have been amazing. Different. He doesn't. He's just, he's like charging up for a super attack. It's sort of a super attack. I mean, okay, it is a super attack, but it is not a super attack on, like, the Die Rangers or the Goma. Right. It's, as an attack, it's extremely effective. Because what we see is there's just a flashing light, and I still, I'm still, when I'm watching the episode, I was still thinking that he was going to transform. Because there's a flashing light, and then it cuts down, and you see a guy, and he looks, like, really menacingly into the camera, and there's dark circles around his eyes. So I was thinking... Maybe Daijin Ryu just transformed into a dude and is going to do something as a dude. He doesn't. Okay, no. It's just a weird cut to a guy. Okay, so here's what does happen, is that we see all of the people who had been standing up on the roof and, like, you know, hanging out their windows and so forth. And they right. all also have that, like, dark makeup around their eyes. Mm-hmm. They're all sort of off... St- they're just kind of glassy-eyed. Yeah, they've gone full zombie. And right. they go from standing on the roof to standing on the ledge of the roof. Right. Just it sort of teetering over that. the edge. It cuts away from them briefly, and then we see even more people walking up the stairs to new roofs. Roofs? Roofs. Cut back to Kaku. Cameo runs up to Kaku, and he says, Doshikaku, we got to figure something out. We have to stop fighting. We need to find a way to get the Gomadugri to a ceasefire, because if not, and you may be able to guess where this is going, 
Daijin Ryu has hypnotized all these people, and if the fighting doesn't stop, he's just going to have them kill themselves. Like, they're all going to jump off a roof. Okay, brief aside here, this is the exact same plot of the first David Tennant Doctor Who episode. I thought the exact same thing, but it is. Yeah, it's just, like, if you have seen that episode, it's that. Mm-hmm. So what Daijin Ryu is effectively doing is holding all of these people hostage in order to try and make the Dai Rangers and the Goma stop fighting. So what Cameo tells Kaku, the idea, I guess, is that all these people will die and then Daijin Ryu will destroy the Earth. I don't know why he would bother to kill people and then destroy the Earth. Maybe it's a kind of a escalation. <laughs> like, well, I'll kill know. these people. And if you still don't stop, then I'll destroy the Earth. Okay, so they do that, and the Dire Rangers all gather in their headquarters, and they're trying right. to sort of talk out what is going on. And the Dire yeah. Rangers are, as always with this sort of thing, not responding to the situation well, and as always, Shoji in particular <laughs> is livid. Well, I mean, you can understand their position, because they're like, no, we did the thing. We did the ceasefire, and the Goma just attacked it, so... What we need is a ceasefire, but the Goma clearly won't do it because they don't care if all these people are going to die. So so what are we going to do? So what Kaku says they should do is like, don't worry about this right now because right now you can't do anything about this. What you need to focus on is finding Ko. Right. This is the priority. And so they so... turn to Mother and say, well, listen... Like, how much exactly time do we have? When is Ko's birthday? And she says, Ko's birthday is December the 24th. I'm saying it slowly <laughs> because she also says it slowly. Like, <laughs> now that it is us. finally time for her to say the date, after all of these episodes, she still drags it out as long as possible. <laughs> I think this tells us, Matt, something about when this episode aired because all the rangers react. They're like, December the 24th! And then for the convenience of people who aren't watching it when it came out, or perhaps are watching it 20-odd years later, they say, that's tomorrow! So, Ko's birthday is Christmas Eve. Which, of course, makes sense, because this is a yearly show. We're getting near the end of the season, so we're probably, you know, this is probably airing in late December. Yeah. So, Ko's mother says, yes, we have to find him. However, Double not trouble. only do we need to find him, dramatic pause, we need Byako Shinken back. Because if we don't have him, we won't be able to baptize Ko, and it won't matter. He'll turn into a Goma anyways. Which maybe would have been good information to have. Ko's mom that not only do we need to find him, we also need this other vital component that we literally had total possession of until maybe half an hour ago when it flew out in an ineffectual attempt to do something stupid. Right. So the good news, though, is if they find, if they get Byako Shinken back, like, they are, like, Byako and Ko are attuned enough with their chi that they can basically right. use him as like a homing beacon to go yeah. find where Ko is hiding out. Right. I, I don't know why they 
need that because clearly the Tenpo Rai Rai Balls and Ko's Mom's Ring will also do that exact thing. Maybe they need to channel it through Byako. I really don't know. Dude, I don't they kinda, know. They kind of the point is they kind of wave say... their hands on this one pretty quickly. <laughs> like, now we need Byako Shinken. Fine. <laughs> he cut away. There's a quick shot of Ko in a cave. It's literally just a shot of him in a cave sleeping. Maybe five seconds long, and he's just taking a little nappy nap. And then it cuts back, and we see more people on a rooftop. Yeah, and Kaku is also up on a... Well, he's on a different rooftop, and he's sort of gazing out on the scene, you know, placidly. Not placidly, but, you know, he's not saying anything. He's just sort of surveying the scene, and all of the (laughs) Dire Rangers sort of, like, run up after him. Now, they had all just been in the same room together. I don't know if, like, Kaku excused himself... (laughs) Or if this is supposed to have had, like, more time passing. But they all run up as though they hadn't just been in a room with him. In my head, Kaku leaves under the pretense of doing something completely different. (laughs) Maybe even saying, like, oh, yeah, I'll be back in a minute. Like, hey, I got, okay, guys, I'll be back in a second. I got to use the bathroom. And then he just leaves. And the Rangers are left waiting for him until they eventually figure out, like, oh, Kaku, he just left. He's he's just doing a roof thing. So they run up and they say, Kaku, uh, you know, what are we going to do? We don't know. And Kaku turns and he says, listen, you guys aren't going to do anything. I'm going to handle this one. I'm going to go find Byako Shinken. And the Rangers are confused because they say, no, how are you going to do that? Because Shadam has him. Kaku says, don't worry about it. You guys just take mother, Ko's mom. You just take Mother to Ko's room, or Rin's room, rather, and make sure that she's cool. Yeah, I'll just keep her safe, be cool, I'll be back. And then Ryu is like, whoa, 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 no, listen, you need to tell me what you mean, because this sounds extremely <laughs> sketchy. And Kaku right. just shuts him down. He's like, did you not just hear me? I told you to keep the Mother safe. So you shut right. up, and you go do what you're supposed to do, and I will handle the big boy stuff. <laughs> right so he just bugs out we see shoji and shoji's like man is kaku hiding something he seems really weird shoji kaku has just been, like the shadiest member of your organization since like day one right he's not hiding a thing he has been hiding he's everything hiding, he's hiding everything this is a guy who recruits people by launching machetes at their head. They obviously <laughs> don't know this, but he has like a secret room with like a flying palanquin, which we're actually about to see again, that seems to be some sort of direct route to go the, the Goma Palace. The Kaku is super shady. Right. Like, not like evil shady, but like right. very secretive, unnecessarily secretive. <laughs> It's like Shoji. This is this is the first time. Like only now, are you starting to be a little like really Kaku? I'm not sure he's telling us everything. <laughs> okay. So anyways, so speaking Kaku's of this out. magical flying palanquin that will take him directly to the Goa Palace, that is exactly what happens. Right. He goes so in the basement through a secret door. He gets on his little flying thing and flies through this impossibly large chasm. Yeah, like, there is no way a cavern this large exists 
under any populated city. It, it's impossible. The entire city would collapse. <laughs> Questions of structural engineering aside, we cut to Goma headquarters. And what we see as we are zooming in, it's that we hear the voices first, and Akamaru is being exiled from the Goma. Like he's, he's kicked out. Yeah, and he is like, wait, what is going on? Why are you exiling me? You can't do this. And Goma the 15th is saying, listen, you know, you lost Ko's mom. That was a really important thing, and you screwed it up. And that's like an unforgivable crime. You have to go now. I'm sorry, but you're exiled. Yeah. So he has his guards, I guess, drag Akamaru out. uh, Zydos and Gara leave following Akamaru. So it's just Goma and Shadam in the throne room. Goma the 15th looks over at Shadam and shoots him a look that to me pretty clearly indicates the sentiment of, I'm not happy about what I just did. I'm angry at you for somehow forcing my hand and having made me do that. Again, we don't actually know what trump card Shadam has over Gomer the 15th, but clearly he is able to exert I don't know, some kind of influence, like a pretty, like a pretty real way. Yeah, somehow or another, Shadam has Gomer the Fifteenth over a barrel, and like is just really taking advantage of that. So Shadam leaves the throne room and goes out into the sort of area outside where Akamaru is trying to not be exiled to no effect. <laughs> and right. everyone just laughs him out. Like, the three Goma commanders, all of the other Goma, like, the international crowd of Goma that are always sitting right. out there, one of them throws a tomato at his head. I don't know where he got the tomato. <laughs> I, did, I, I don't no think I've idea. ever seen a Goma eat. And this is... Okay, watching this scene, because these are all, like, again... All the other Goma are adults. We have not seen any other children Goma. They're all grown-ups. And here is a little kid who has just gotten kicked out of the only kind of tribe, I guess, that he knows. He has just been kicked out by the only person who has ever cared about him. And all these other adult Goma can do is laugh at him and just kind of say, like, Ah, you you suck. Like, you're terrible, and we all hate you. Yeah, Garus is like, oh, it turns out that a kid is just a kid after all. <laughs> so all of a Like, sudden, you thought you were hot stuff, kid, but get the heck out of here. Right. So now, Akamaru's kind of anything-goes attitude towards obtaining status over all the rest of the Goma and just kind of saying, like, I will do whatever it takes to achieve victory over these people, and, like, I'll kind of show them all, makes a lot more sense. Oh, yeah. This is this is a bad day for a Kamaru. <laughs> right. Okay. So a Kamaru runs out, like, runs behind a pillar. Kaku steps out from behind that exact same pillar, does it so quickly, I'm not actually sure how they didn't bump into each other. But Akamaru's gone, and Kaku is here. And Kaku just says flat out, you guys should give me Byaku Shinken back. Yeah. And they all just the sort Goma. of stare at him, 
as if to say, like, why would we do that? Why are you here? What is happening? <laughs> right. Except Sinus. for Shadam. Shadam looks at him with a sort of moment of recognition, as though he understands what it is that Kaku's game is. Yeah. We do I... we do not get to find out what Kaku's game is. I am actually starting I don't want to say anything. I am actually starting to develop a theory as to what Kaku's deal is here. Okay, well, we will discuss that in episodes to come. Because right. eventually, of course, it will become it clear. Yet, but I'll let you know later if I turned out to be right about what I'm thinking about right now. Okay, so we cut away. We see Thunder, Akamaru's pet demon. And he is there with Akamaru and Thunder, the actual literal demon from hell is crying for Akamaru. Oh, they're both <laughs> crying. It's it's one of those things that it's never fun to see a child cry, but it's yeah. also hilarious to see a giant monster costume cry. <laughs> so <laughs> right. it's kind of it's a, a real, weird moment. It's a real bittersweet moment. But dude, when it, like I said, when a literal demon from hell is saying, <laughs> like is crying and be like, wow, man, that's... That's really rough. I'm I'm real sorry about that. That is how you know you've got a bad, bad family life. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So we cut away from there and we cut back to the Rangers and it's Christmas time. There's a Christmas tree. We hear some caroling in the background and Kaku has snacks. Yeah, what? I actually, I got thrown off because they showed a bunch of Christmas trees and then they showed Kaku walking out of a storefront with like a parcel and yeah. he starts handing out packages to people. And for a second, I thought, oh, I guess Kaku went Christmas shopping or Kazu, I'm sorry. <laughs> I guess Kazu went Christmas shopping. Oh, I, I said Kaku too. It's, no, it's Kazu. It's Kazu. Nope. They're just, they just have snacks. And I want to be clear. These are not snacks. Like, oh, we got some pretzels while we are in Rin's room guarding Mother. <laughs> this is all the male rangers, and they just went out for a nosh. Yeah, I guess they figured that Rin had things covered back home. Uh, dude, I guess. So Kazu is talking to the other rangers, and he says, man, it's really weird. It's almost like like I don't trust Doshikaku completely. Yeah, like I Which never, again. before today, I never thought to question him. <laughs> right. We, I, okay, we've already made these jokes, Matt. But, again, really, guys? And I will remind the you, time. The, the last time that Kaku went to the Goma headquarters to broker the deal, Ryu did question him. So they've all, at least at this point, been exposed to the idea that Kaku is not entirely on the up and up. <laughs> or even if he is on the up and up, like he has got some like, you know, weapons grade secrets. <laughs> weapons grade secrets. <laughs> it's industrial strength. Okay, so we cut back to Rin's apartment. We see Mother looking at some pictures, mementos of Ko and the Rangers' time together. Well, they're not photos of uh, them as rangers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that they would be... have a scrapbook of the time they fought the <laughs> lipstick songstress. <laughs> that would be 
amazing. Wouldn't that be fantastic <laughs> if Rin just got a scrapbook? It's filled with like little shards of goma armor, <laughs> like weird paper cutouts. No, it's mostly pictures of Rin and Co. fishing or playing tennis or something. <laughs> right. No, it's it's nice. So Rin says, "Oh yeah, Akum- or not Akamaru, uh, Co." Ko is a very good boy. He's a little mischievous, which, Rin, that's, that's a very gracious thing of you to say. That is extremely generous. <laughs> and very kind to not tell a worried right. and grieving mother about all of the sins of her child. <laughs> okay. So, as mother is looking at these pictures, she says something about Akamaru. Akamaru. And she says, that boy, Akamaru, giant paws. And Rin's attention is piqued by this. She looks over and she says, huh? Wait, 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 wait what? What about Akamaru? And mother says, da, 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 Akamaru is my son. Pause. Giant, giant unnecessary paws. And Ko's brother! And Ko's brother! So, we have conclusively determined that Shotam is Ko's dad. And remember last episode, we said, well, we know now that Shotam is Ko's dad. This is Ko's mother. They're at least half-brothers. Nope. Turns out, Shotam and mother had two kids, Ko and Akamaru. And I don't know if they're twins or what. Yeah, Actually, I, have I feel no like I idea. used to know whether or not they were, because I'm sure it gets brought up if they are, but it, Dude, it's been a while since I've seen like, these episodes. They could be like Kiryoku-linked dual spirit entities, man. I don't know. <laughs> but the point is, is she says they are brothers. Like, this is, this is the deal between these two characters. And again, I just want to say... Every time Ko's mother has to give an important piece of information, she pauses and waits and hems and haws so long that I now am no longer surprised that the holographic image that she was giving them all those episodes ago about the Ko's birthday situation, that she did not get around to saying the date. Because I'm sure she meant to. She just didn't add in the extra 30 seconds she needed to get through all of her terrible pauses. Right. This is just how this lady talks. So, we cut to, I think it's the roof, right, Matt? No, I think it's over by where the guys were all hanging out. Okay. And Kaku shows up, and he's not, like, standing next to them. He's standing... On, oh, a right. He's on a roof, looking down on them. Okay, so he just kind of—it's a very dramatic appearance. He kind of walks up, and he's standing on the corner. There's mist. He's looking from behind. Right. He has Byakushinken. Like he has the sword. Okay. So he throws them the sword, and he just says, "Like, leave. Go find Ko." And, and they are, understandably, very curious as to how this whole thing came about. Kaku tells them absolutely nothing. And just leaves. <laughs> right. This, by the way, is a key part of my theory. The fact that he leaves them with Byakushinkan. Okay. Just remember this moment. 
All right. I have. So I, I just imagine that you have one of those like boards on your wall with all the red yarn and push pins, <laughs> trying to figure out how the show is going to end. I have. I have a mental version of that. I have. I'm not deep enough that I have a literal board, but mentally it's there. Okay. okay. And so they ask Biakio. They're like, "Hey, man." Um, how did Kaku get you back? And conveniently, Byakko seems not to know how it happened. Yeah, he just says, I got no idea. Suddenly he so, was there, and now I'm free. So let's go do this thing. Right. So Ko's mom takes off her ring, puts the ring in Byakko Shinken's mouth, and that allows Byakko Shinken to home in on Ko's Kiryoku. So they are off to the races. Right. The next thing we see... Oh, by the way, it's like nighttime when this is happening. Okay. Yeah. The next scene we see is all the rangers in their jeep driving over like the desert. It's not a desert. It's like a beach or something. With, you know, kind of following Byako Shinken. They are nearing... The place where Ko is sleeping slash hiding. I don't know how it possibly took them from night because it's daytime now. So last time we saw nighttime, they start following Byaku Shinken. Next scene, daytime, and they're still not there, which makes no sense because the last time that they kind of tried to follow out to where Ko was, it was like maybe twenty minutes away, just kind of hiding in a mountain somewhere. So I don't know if he's just hiding way farther away now or what, but... I don't know. I mean, they're not flying. They're just in Kazu's Jeep, so... That's true. You know, I think maybe last time they were in uh, Ryusei-o, so I imagine Ryusei can cover a lot more (laughs) distance than the Jeep, but... Okay. So they follow Byaku Shinken, riding over the sand... Of the beach, I guess. We cut to Akumaru. Akumaru says, Thunder, combine with me. And then it cuts away from them again. But, you know, so we know that this is about to happen. Yeah, he says, like, combine your power with mine, and I have something to say about that when we see what that looks like. Yes. So. Okay. (laughs) I also have something to say. I'll let you have that one. Okay. So So they're driving around. (laughs) They're trying to find it. And actually, the reason I've been quiet for the minute is because I've been looking it up on Wikipedia so I don't get the reference wrong. Okay. So. Oh, wait. (laughs) Matt. Okay. Matt, we just had a brother moment. I thought I knew what you were going to talk about. As soon as you said you had to look something up on Wikipedia... I realized the thing I thought that you were going to say was wrong, but now I know exactly what you're going to say. Okay, well... Because you're going to talk about the Shi'ar Empire, Yeah, let me just say it now, because when we see it in a minute, like, they... When he says combined, what happens is, basically, they become War Star from the Shi'ar Imperial Guard. Yes! Like, they are, like, Cecile and Bini. Like the little, like, you know, Akamaru is just sort of like riding in his back and controlling him. Right. Dude, Matt, dude, that was, listeners, you're welcome to share in this with us. Matt, that was a glorious brother moment. All right. It was beautiful. All I needed to know is that you were looking something up on Wikipedia, and I immediately knew that you were about to talk about the Shi'ar Imperial Guard. Dude, you used to have that toy. I loved that toy. 
Dude, that toy is so cool. <laughs> All right, man. I guess the other going. option is I could have talked about Tusk. Didn't Tusk have like a little version of himself that lived in his back? No, no, no. He could make like tiny clones, but we are so off the rails. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know where the station is anymore. So hard shift back. After this, we get a real quick shot of Ko. He's in this cave and he is kind of flailing around, freaking out. Just really selling the idea that he is going through this Goma transformation. Right. We cut back to the Jeep. They have gotten past, like, the last hill that Biako said they had to get past. They don't see Ko anywhere, but they do see the cave. And they say, aha, that must be where he is. And they all start heading towards the cave. Right. Thunder pops up. Clearly, you know, intent on stopping them. Akamaro jumps up and he says, Yo, Ryoku Fusion! And I was really expecting kind of a new monster costume. But no. But we don't get that. No. If you know who Warstar from the Shire Imperial Guard is, you know exactly what we're talking about. But basically what you see is just Thunder, who is this giant bug demon looking thing. And Akamaru just like rides on his back. It's super lame. Yeah, like it's a little more involved in a piggyback ride. Like he seems to have some sort of controls. Two joysticks sort of. So they were about to start fighting, and so right. the Die Rangers, I think it might have been Kazu, says, hey, Cameo, take care of Ko's mom. Go protect her over there so we can fight. Right. Cameo, so- Cameo doesn't just say, oh, hey, let's go hide over here behind this rock. Cameo <laughs> does his full transformation into <laughs> Dai Mugen, which I should point out, Ko's mother has not yet seen. So- oh, yeah. <laughs> So she actually, she takes it very well. She takes it astonishingly well. I would say too well. Because a guy that she just met, who does not seem to be one of the Die Rangers, just seems to be their hanger-on buddy, has just transformed into a 6,000-year-old giant robot turtle and said, come hide inside (laughs) of me. So, yeah, so he says, because you may not remember... But uh, Daimugen is the sort of protector slash repairer of the Kaiden beasts. So he does say to Ko's mom, he says, hide inside of me, which I assume she does. We don't actually see it. I don't know how we could because he's like the size of a building. But Shoji looks over and he says, isn't that overdoing it? Which is absolutely true. No, I was going to say no. No, it isn't overdoing it, Shoji. This is the lady and kind of literally the only person on Earth who can stop what I would assume is a person that you consider a friend from literally turning into a monster. I suppose so, that's true. So no. So no, maybe it isn't overdoing it. Maybe you should do everything you possibly can to protect this singular human being. Also, if Dai Mugen is already in giant robot form, he could probably just step on a Kamaru here, and that is case closed. Right. Uh, they don't do that. Thundermaru attacks. Thundermaru is what I'm calling their merged form. Thundermaru attacks. We cut away. Ko freaks out. He tears the sleeve off of his shirt. We see his tiger brand on his arm. It flashes blue. It flashes red. He turns into the Kiba Ranger and sits up kind of vampire style. I don't know. That sort of like weird sit straight up move that monsters do. He does the Undertaker like pop up. Ah, yeah, that's good. And then that's it. That's the episode. Yeah. So, Dave, 
What do you think about this episode? What is your high point? Uh, high point. Um, dang, man. So much is happening. I think maybe my high point is the confirmation that Akumaru and Ko are just straight up brothers. Right. I was, like, I think they had, they had foreshadowed that pretty well. I saw it coming, but it, they were like, yes, that is the case. And I was like, all right, cool. I thought that was going to be it. Okay, and what is your low point? Oh, uh, low point? Dude, my low point is Ko's mother's continued inability to say anything concisely. Yeah. (laughs) She just can't stop herself. It's kind of terrible. Uh, How about you, man? High point of the episode? Man, high point of the episode. I am going to say all of... Actually, you know what? It's a small one this week. There's, okay. Do you remember the shot that we were talking about where Kazu had bought the food and he'd walked out of the store and was handing the food to different people? Mm-hmm. The way they shot that, normally they do like a fixed camera and the scene just sort of goes on around them. But in this particular instance, they had like somebody carrying a steady cam behind Kazu as he was walking from person to person and having small conversations with each one to sort of make up that whole scene. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was a neat, you know... Yeah, no, so often nice this show is shot not badly, but not in like an interesting way. Uh, and I just thought that that was an actual like good cinematography. So there, there you go. <laughs> All right, that is man. my high point. Uh, low point. Uh, my low point is what they were talking about, which is that they had only just started to notice that <laughs> Doshikaku was not one hundred percent trustworthy. It's like guys, maybe pay a little bit of attention to what is going on around you. Okay. <laughs> anyway, do you have anything else or are we going to cut it here? No, man. Heck of an episode. Yeah, really. And that is going to do it for another episode of Live and Let Die Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd just like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or uh, get in touch with us on Twitter, we are at supersentibros. If you like the show, please remember that Shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what helps new people find the show. Uh, The Super Sentai Brothers is a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week. Now 